0: God bless you all on this day. I greet everyone with great affection, all the brothers and sisters in all churches worldwide, many different countries. We know that in all of Latin America, the Church of God is open. Also in North America, South America, Central America is the Church of God. And also in countries in the Middle East, wherever God has wanted his church, Word to reach. So, a greeting to all of you, and a greeting as well for first time guests and newcomers who have continued to congregate. And a greeting to all, and for my brothers and sisters here in the church in Weston, greetings to you with affection. You may be seated, and once again, may God bless you all greatly. And today we shall continue rejoicing in God's Word. Rejoicing in His Word and also the Holy Spirit with us, guiding us, teaching us teaching us as time goes by, as all things evolve, for it is a constant evolution, but God is the same. The world, humanity, evolves. Languages, customs, cultures. But God is the same. He is the same yesterday and today. He knows all things, for everything is the work of His hands. And so God invites us to read His Word, to read the Bible. If humanity knows of God's existence, they have known it through this book, the Bible, that God has made Himself known to people and has allowed many stories to be written Many experiences of people in the Bible who were with God, who walked with God, and who God gave commandments, laws, ordinances to so that humanity may live a good life, an upright, righteous life. And the Lord has never forsaken His creation He has never forsaken his creation. He has always been up to speed of teaching every man, every woman, how they must conduct themselves in their life, what they must do to be happy and to have peace. This is why, as a church, we feel privileged, for God has had the mercy of seeking us, of choosing us, and gathering us, congregating us as one in His Spirit, in His power, to be guided by His Holy Spirit. For the Lord has not congregated us in a physical place, for it would be impossible, but all of those who He takes by the hand, He congregates us, and it is the Holy Spirit that covers us, guides and teaches us, and allows us to all feel one thing, that we all should have that same feeling, feeling God in our heart, in our life. And that wherever we go, no matter what place in the world, God goes with us. He goes in our heart. And from there, He guides us, leads us, and teaches us all the things we need to do. This is why today we will continue with the sermon in 1 John chapter 5 we have prepared to read 1 John chapter 5 and we know that John was the Lord's apostle and he had many experiences when our Lord Jesus Christ was on earth preaching and John lived the experience of listening to God's voice when the voice of heaven referring to our Lord Jesus Christ said that they heard a voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Hear him. Listen to him. Believe in him. It was that divine commandment. This is why the apostles believed. And though... They were sacrificed later on for the sake of God's word. Yet, they were happy beings that enjoyed the presence and power of God. And God taught them and guided them. And they also left behind their testimony in the scriptures, though not all of the scriptures remain. But what was left The little that was left is useful to us. It is to support, to believe, and to know God does exist. And God is powerful. And when we got to know the Lord on the first day, we realized God exists, for He began to manifest Himself in our lives, working miracles, granting our petitions, or listening to our prayers comforting us, supporting us, and well, God guiding us in many different ways. This is why we are convinced God exists and that this word is true and that the Holy Spirit is who is with us, teaching us. And so we thank God for all of this. We thank God And to those who are newcomers and first-time guests, you are invited to continue in this wonderful path. This is a path that is not so difficult for human beings, for it is God who helps us continue. God is the one who changes and takes away all that is evil in our lives and helps us to press on and to keep his word and commandments. The Lord's ways are not hard like some believe. But when you set your heart, when you devote yourself to God with honesty, with sincerity, with uprightness, God makes everything easier. Everything is simple. He helps us. So, the Apostle Paul, or the Apostle John, my apologies, in 1 John chapter 5, he continues to teach and offers an invitation and says whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ. So whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, for this is the word, this is the gospel, that is what they began to preach from the very beginning and what our Lord Jesus Christ began to preach, his word, teaching and instilling in people to believe in him and many believed, others did not, but those who believed, he gave blessings to, he gave them the promise of eternal life. And here, John, he says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, this person is born of God. They have been born of God for God is who reveals to them. God is the one who has allowed them to believe that he is the Christ, that person that God had sent to the world, and that he would be the savior, the precursor of eternal life. And it says, And everyone who loves him, who begot, meaning God, also loves him who is begotten of him. So God, he begot the Lord in the flesh. So whoever believes and who loves him, it says God will also love them. And in verse 2, it says, By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep or fulfill His commandments. It says, this is a condition in knowing whether or not we love God. It is keeping the Lord's commandments that many of you already know what those commandments are. And in verse three, it says, for this is the love of God, that we keep or fulfill or put to practice his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. It says they are easy. They are easy to keep for God helps us to keep them. He helps us with his Holy Spirit. For The promise that our Lord Jesus Christ made when he said, I am leaving, but I will not leave you orphans, but he would send his spirit and the Holy Spirit will abide with you forever. Let us not forget and I know the brothers and sisters who have been in the church for some time already know this doctrine, they have this knowledge, but as there are those who are newcomers, I once again repeat this for them. And, well, we'll always have to repeat this. We'll repeat it again and again until we remember it in our minds and in our hearts. And it is not difficult to follow the Lord's path For the Holy Spirit guides and teaches, leads us, helps us. So in verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. To be born of God is when God elects us, when God calls us, when God speaks to us and makes us promises, and we continue in that path. And we begin to read the Bible, to pray, to glorify God, and to follow his footsteps and learn the doctrine. God sends the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us in our personal lives. And this is how God takes away all of the difficulties, the spiritual bonds and chains, that bondage of sin. The bondage of living in sadness and bitterness, in spiritual and material needs, in every aspect, the Holy Spirit begins to act in our life, in our heart, and removes those burdens. And we begin to have peace and joy. We begin to please God with no difficulty. This is why His commandments are not burdensome or difficult. Verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And why? For God helps us to overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith or our belief in believing in God and believing in our Lord Jesus Christ as God, as the Son of God, as the Savior of the world. This is our faith. So our faith. Allows us to overcome the world. Overcome our flesh and the weaknesses of the flesh. All that is evil. We overcome the enemy as well. Verse 5. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So all man or woman that believes that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That Jesus Christ is God. A very great mystery, a difficult mystery to comprehend, very difficult to accept. This is why there are many religions, many religions that do not believe or accept. Some religions say Jesus Christ was an ordinary man. He was just a prophet. That is what some religions say, or the great majority. But we, by the spirit of God, God has taught us and we've understood that he is the same God. And there is some place in the Bible where it says God humbled himself and made himself flesh. He made himself flesh in order to dwell among men for some time. And exactly that, God came. God came in the person that was Jesus Christ. This is why the story tells or the gospel tells us that he was born of a woman. For the Lord wanted to do things this way in order to be with humanity, and to prove to human beings that it was possible to please and obey God in all things, that it was possible. And so he lived and behaved like an ordinary human being for some years. For God, there is nothing that is impossible. If he can or has been able to or was able to make animals speak Well, then there is nothing impossible for God, for he is the almighty. He is the maker, the creator of the universe. And we are a part of that creation. So for some, they say how difficult it is to believe that our Lord Jesus Christ was God. How hard. But God taught this. And so we must accept and believe. So who is he who overcomes the world? Well, it is whoever believes what God says. That he came in the flesh. That he came to the world. He spent some time here among human beings. We must believe that. And today, with all of the wonders and God's manifestation, the things he does in our lives and in the lives of many, and we are witnesses of, we realize that, yes, God worked these wonders and he became a human being for some time. Therefore, in the following verse, verse 6, it says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness He confirms that this is all true. It says, because the Spirit is truth. Now, before we continue reading regarding our Lord Jesus Christ came by water and blood, I would like to read some verses that deal with water. For later, we will explain the blood and what it means. Now, the brothers and sisters you already know, I know that you know This teaching, this sermon has been given hundreds of times. Those brothers and sisters who have been here for some time know this, but there are many people who are new. And someone might say, well, why do you repeat what you already know? Well, we repeat it because you, those who already know, need to be teachers. Teachers of God's word in order to teach many, to teach others. That's it. So like I said, I'm going to go over some verses concerning water. For it says that the Lord came by water. What does that mean? What does it mean he came by water? Well, let's read a little. Here in Isaiah 43. In Isaiah 43. Without losing our place in first John, let's not lose our place. Forty-three twenty. Isaiah forty-three twenty. There is a verse. Verse 20 reads. It reads, The beasts of the field. Now God was speaking about the future. Let's remember. We're reading Isaiah, a prophet in antiquity, a prophet of the Old Testament. Isaiah prophesied concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the beginning of the Lord's church. The entire prophecy is in reference to the same thing. It is God speaking of the precursor, the Savior, the Messiah. And also that he would be raising up a holy spiritual people. And that is what this prophecy in Isaiah is in reference to. This is why in verse 20, among the many things God is promising, that he was going to send, he was going to send a person Who would be the Redeemer, the Savior. And these messages Isaiah would give to the people, the physical nation of Israel, that physical material nation, he would give them these prophecies. I'm sure the people of Israel never understood. I'm sure even the prophet Isaiah did not understand and when this would all happen. But he prophesied. And in verse 20... The beast of the field will honor me. Now, when it mentions the beast of the field, it's not in reference to wild animals, but rather human beings that had so many spiritual bonds, so many flaws, sinful tendencies, so many unpleasant behaviors as people that they were compared to beasts. If today you listen to people commonly talk, In their common conversations in some countries, when someone is wrathful, someone else might say, Well, you're acting like a wild beast, a wild animal. That's what some people in some countries say. You're acting like a wild animal. You're acting like a lion, a tiger. That is what they compare people to. People that are wrathful and angry. They are compared To wild beasts. And as the Lord speaks to human beings with the language and the way that we understand our language and how we communicate with one another. This is why the Lord knew that we would understand when he said the beasts of the field will honor me. Meaning... The beasts of the field, meaning those people who are difficult, the people who are wrathful, filled with hate and grudges and pride, I will speak to them of my word and they will believe and they will convert. I will deliver them. I will bless them. I will change their heart. I will take away that heart of a beast and give them the heart of a lamb or dove, something harmless. And the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, he compared and said, be harmless as doves. He also said, be wise as serpents. That is how you need to be. You need to be modest. And sheep, they are said to be animals that are meek. And the Lord He therefore said, I will change those hearts of those people, those very tough, violent hearts. I will change them to a meek and modest heart. And when I change them, they will honor me. They will praise my name. Now, how many of us? How many of us were like those beasts? Wrathful, full of hatred, anger, resentment and revenge and insulting others with offensive words, cursing. Well, how many of us, how many of us? I'm sure, I'm sure some of you might say I was that way. But when I got to know the Lord's ways, God changed me, he changed my heart. He gave me a new heart and now I am a meek dove. I am a harmless dove. How many might say that? I think many. I think many of you can say these things of the change of life God has worked in you and has also worked in me as well. And in verse 20, The beast of the field will honor me. Now you understand what that is in reference to. The jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters. Again, we're talking about water. And I do tend to stray from the topic many times. And it doesn't happen a few times. I'm always straying away from the topic. But if I leave a verse without explanation, it's as if it's incomplete. So, I know you are patient with me and the Lord as well. So, it reads here. Because I give waters in the wilderness. Waters was in reference To the word of the Messiah. That the Messiah would manifest himself and would speak and he would comfort. He would forgive sins. He would cleanse and deliver all hearts. Who did not have God. But were behaving as beasts. That wilderness, it is a heart without God. A wilderness Well, it is said that in a wilderness or desert, it doesn't rain. There is no water. It's hard to find water. So in the wilderness, people die of thirst and there is no vegetation for it doesn't rain. So a heart of a person, a man or woman without God is compared to a wilderness. And so God said... That when he was coming to earth to preach his word, he would find many wildernesses, many empty hearts without God. But that the Lord would be giving them water, water, this water in the wilderness. And the water is compared to rivers, it says here, and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. The Lord is making this wonderful promise to his people, his new people, his spiritual people, his spiritual Israel, that Jerusalem and that Zion that the Lord would be forming with his word, with himself, for he was a fountain of living water that sprung to eternal life. Our Lord Jesus Christ, this is why I strayed a bit to speak about water to understand the verse when it says that Jesus Christ came by water and blood. So this verse says in 21, this people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise, of course. When the church is formed, they would praise and glorify God in spirit and truth, which is what the Lord Jesus Christ did. After he did his work, And he left the apostles. He sent the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit came to many. And the Holy Spirit is who revives and gives that strength and that joy to the hearts of beings so that they may praise God in spirit and truth. So that is what this verse 20 is saying concerning water, that God would be giving water in the wilderness. In loneliness, and it was rivers, rivers in the desert to give drink to my people. And so there are many verses in the Bible that speak of this water, but I'm just going to read a few in 44.3. In chapter 44, verse 3, the following chapter, the Lord also says, making these promises, all of these promises, he says, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty. And floods on the dry ground. No longer is he referencing a wilderness. He is now speaking of dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants. And my blessing on your offspring. Now, who were the descendants of the Lord? It's the church. God's congregation. The church that is the people of Israel in the spiritual sense. And the Lord would raise up his people. Our Lord Jesus Christ will raise up. He is raising up his congregation. He is filling it with that water of life, which is himself and the Holy Spirit is working, working in the hearts of that congregation so that the Lord's word is fulfilled. All of the promises and all of the things he expects from all human beings, which is to change and follow the Lord's path with the help of the Holy Spirit. And here in Zechariah, let us take a look in Zechariah. Zechariah is a bit behind Matthew. Behind Matthew is Malachi, then Zechariah. It is second to last Before Matthew. In Zechariah 14. Zechariah 14. In verse. We will read starting in verse 6 to 9. And again. We are talking about Jesus Christ. Being that water of life. That our Lord Jesus Christ is water. The water that God promised. In the Old Testament through the Prophets. He promised that he would be sending living waters, that he would be filling all with this living water, nourishing them. Our Lord Jesus Christ is that living water. This is why it says he came by water and blood. In Zechariah 14 verse 6, it reads, It reads, It shall come to pass in that day that there will be no light the lights will diminish so the day that our lord jesus christ appears preaching his gospel the day of his manifestation for history tells us he began to carry out his work at 30 years of age and the first message the first sermon and manifestation of our lord jesus christ occurred And he began to speak, to preach, and to teach. Therefore, it says that it shall come to pass in that day that there will be no light, the lights will diminish. It was talking about a day in the spiritual sense, not of a physical day. It was saying that at last, the time had come for the manifestation of the day of the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, in the books of the prophets, we always read about the Lord saying that in the last days, he will manifest himself and the day of the Lord will arrive and that the day of the Lord will be manifested. And woe to those who are not living uprightly, those who continue to live a life of sin and have not repented for that day. It will either save some or destroy others. And that is in reference to the manifestation of Jesus Christ. For our Lord Jesus, aside from being water, he was also that appointed day by God to bless his people, his nation, his church. He made the promises to that physical, material Israel in antiquity, but those promises have fallen upon the congregation of the Lord, the church of God. So this is why verse number 7 says, It shall be one day which is known to the Lord. So one day, it will be one day, which is known to the Lord. And that was in reference to Jesus Christ. Now, neither day nor night, but at evening time it shall happen that it will be light. Meaning, in the moment he manifests himself to preach and teach, to give his first message, and to evangelize... Well, then there will be light. For our Lord Jesus is also light according to what John teaches us. He was that light that shines on all men. He is the water of life that gives life to all men. He is the day of the Lord. He said he would send and manifest himself on that special day to save humanity. Glory to God. Do you see everything that the Lord is? And not to mention being the bread of life and being the true path. He is the way, he is the life. The Lord has many appellatives or names and appellatives of those who are attorneys. Did I use that term right? Yes? All right. And the Lord has all of that. What greatness. But today we are speaking of water, of water. And it says here in verse eight, and in that day it shall be, That living waters shall flow from Jerusalem. So on that day that Jesus Christ manifests himself, living waters shall flow. The living waters are himself. And it says, and in that day it shall be that living water shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea, and half of them toward the western sea. In both summer and winter it shall occur. So God's manifestation would be to all the world in any season, in any time. God manifesting himself to human beings. Glory to the Lord. In verse 9, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And he also is king. You see here another name. King. For the Lord said that a righteous king would come who would rule. And he would be a perfect king. He would execute righteousness. And his kingdom would be unbreakable and everlasting. So this king that would come would not be a king for just a A short time, but he would be a king forever. Our Lord Jesus. Now in verse 9, we read again. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day, it shall be the Lord is one and his name one. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Now let us continue in John. Let us continue in John to read a few more verses about water. John 4, 13. The gospel, the gospel according to John 4, 13. Now we go into the gospels. For we have been reading the epistles of John, but now we will read in the gospel according to John four thirteen. And so it reads... Now, our Lord Jesus Christ was speaking to the Samaritan woman. He spoke with the Samaritan woman. And I'm sure you all know the wonderful story of the Samaritan woman. When she went to draw water and the Lord asked for water to drink and she said she could not. And he said, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. And she said she wanted that water. And the Lord begins to evangelize her, speak to her, tell her many things and to talk to her about her private life so that she would believe. And so the Lord, among other things, in verse 13, he says to her, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water, meaning of the well that you have come to, he tells a Samaritan woman, whoever drinks of this water from the well will thirst again. But whoever drinks, he says, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become, in the heart of this person, a fountain. A fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. That fountain of salvation, that is what the Lord offers us. In giving us water to drink, in giving us This water to drink, which is Jesus Christ, his wonderful word and his promises and accepting Jesus Christ as the son of God, as the savior, as the perfect king, that is to drink the water from the fountain of eternal life. It is to accept that we are drinking or will drink from that water It is to accept the Lord. This is why in 1 John, he says, And all he who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God is born of God. So if we want to drink of this water, which is said to be a fountain, it becomes a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. It is because we've accepted, we've believed that our Lord Jesus Christ is God, that our Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that God is only one God. So you see it is a great mystery. So that is the water. That is the water. And lastly, concerning water, well, there are many more verses. And I invite you all to read the Bible. Read the Bible time and time again. Never get tired of reading. For you will learn and you will find many hidden treasures in it. And in Revelation... In revelation in 22 which is the last chapter of Revelation the last chapter of Revelation 22 in verse 17 now after John had those visions In Revelation, of all that God showed him, of all that would happen in the future, the angel of the Lord, or the Spirit of God through that angel, speaks to John and tells him that in conclusion, all that was needed was to believe in the Holy One, the Righteous One, in He who was that fountain of everlasting life in Jesus Christ, that we must believe in him. And it concludes by saying in verse 17. And the spirit tells John. And the spirit and the bride say. Now the spirit is the spirit of God. And the bride is the church. The Lord's congregation. The church of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says in the spirit and the bride say come. And let him who hears say come. And let him who thirsts. Come, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. So accept Jesus Christ as God, as the Son of God, as the Savior of the world, as the righteous King, powerful King who rules, who is already ruling and will continue to rule for all eternity. That is what this is saying. So now that we've understood about what it means when it says that Jesus Christ came by water and blood so now let us go back to first John let us go back to first John in verse 6 and it says this is he who came by water and blood Jesus Christ not only by water meaning that it was not just the prophetic word of saying a fountain of water will appear. And so when that fountain of water appears, you go and drink without knowing who that fountain of water that gives eternal life was. So there needed to be something that identified who was that water that would appear. So whoever drank from it would have salvation, would have eternal life, I repeat. So this is why it says, came by water and blood... But not only by water, but by water and blood. Now, why blood? Well, blood is in reference to the human side of Jesus Christ. So the human side of Jesus Christ is the fountain. It is the pool of water. That pool of water that I'm sure was dug in the desert, the wilderness, it is that pool of water that I'm sure was similar to the Samaritan woman who drew water in order to give her animals to drink. And the Lord said to her, give me of that water. And she said, well, I cannot draw it. And that and that fountain of water is the one where we just read in Revelation that it says whoever desires and thirsts, let him take that water of life freely. And so it is Jesus Christ who came by water and blood. He is the water and that blood. It is because he came in human form. He came as a human being. That is that blood. And it says, not only by water, but by water and blood. When he says, not only by water, well, this is implying exactly that. If the Lord says, I will allow a fountain to appear and everyone will go and drink of that water. Well, then it would be a difficult and impossible But this fountain of water needed to appear some way so people could drink of it. And aside from that, it is all in the spiritual sense. It's not something physical. And today when people go on their trips to different places, they go to a park and someone says, well, there's a fountain of water there. And if you drink from it, it will rejuvenate you. And so people deceivingly go and drink from that thinking they're going to be made young. They say, oh, this is miraculous water. So... Our Lord, our God, he sent the Lord. He made himself man, a human being. He came by a human being. He came by blood. And he also was that water, that fountain of water that springs to eternal life. And the Spirit, it says, the Holy Spirit bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Now we remember when we read the Gospels that our Lord Jesus, when he went to be baptized It says that a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, hear him. And so the apostles, they did hear him and John, who was baptizing at the time they heard and many others, they were witnesses of those words and that confirmation. And in verse seven, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the father, the word who is the son and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it is one God. Though some religions of wickedness begin to criticize us and say that we are believing in a three-headed God, that is a lack of respect toward God. That is demeriting God's power and underestimating the fact that God is not capable If God is our creator who has done all things, who can do all things, he knows all things, he can work in different roles and still be one. There is nothing impossible for him. And he gives us this teaching and we need to believe without asking so many questions. So it says in verse 8, And there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. So the living word of God The blood being Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. And these three, it says here, agree as one. For he came and many saw him and heard him. And when he ascended into the heavens, he said, I will send my spirit to teach you. And the Holy Spirit came and he has taught us that our Lord Jesus Christ is the truth and the way that leads to eternal life. So the Holy Spirit teaches us the doctrine. Verse nine, if we receive the witness of men, The witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. So we are not going to offend God by saying that he is a liar. If God said that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all work differently, but they are all one, well, then we must believe, and so it is, and so it shall be. Therefore, we will not say God is a liar. Those who doubt are saying God is a liar. Verse 11, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is Is in his son. That is what God has said. This is what God taught from the beginning. And we must believe. Verse 12. He who has the son. Has eternal life. He who does not have the son of God. Does not have eternal life. And this is sad. And very painful. For those that are unbelieving. For those who do not believe. And there have also been. Religions invented. To teach things in their own liking, what seems easier to believe in errors. So many religions have been formed in different beliefs, but we give God thanks for he has made himself known to us. We know him and we know he lives, he exists, and he works this way. And in this way, the Lord, working in these three different roles, He has shown us he is the God who created the heavens and earth, the almighty, the righteous one who works miracles and signs today, who listens to our prayers and who comforts and who grants us our petitions and yearnings of our heart. That is who God is, our God. In verse 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Glory to God, that is so. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Glory to God, for we live this today. We have these experiences with God. We pray, we ask God, and he answers us. And he grants our petitions. When they are wise and intelligent things that we ask of the Lord, well, then he grants those things immediately. For we also need to have wisdom in order to ask of the Lord. For if there is a person who says, well, I'm going to ask God for a plane, and if you have no means to sustain a plane and where to keep it, then why would you ask for that? So wisdom and understanding to know how to ask God what it is we need and what we can bear and obtain. And so it says here in 16, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin, which does not lead to death. Now the topic here changes. He will ask and he will give him life. Now, the apostle is also discussing love of mercy and also about asking the Lord. For he was saying that we need to ask the Lord for many things. That our petitions, God listens and answers. And it says, if there is any brother who sins, which is not a sin that leads to death, he will ask and he will give him life. Meaning God will help them to change And this is for those who sin, which does not lead to death. Now, it says there is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. Now, do you remember that sin leading to death? And that sin that leads to death is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That is the sin that leads to death, blasphemy. Our Lord Jesus Christ, when he was on earth preaching the gospel, there were many blasphemers. Many blasphemers who blasphemed against God and his word, offending our Lord Jesus Christ. They would say things to him. They would call him a liar. In telling our Lord Jesus Christ he was a liar, they were committing blasphemy against God. For the Lord had spoken and said he had sent his son to carry out that work. The work of preaching the good tidings of salvation. So they blasphemed. And when they blasphemed, the Lord said, Woe to those who blaspheme, for all sins shall be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And that is a sin that has no forgiveness Blasphemy against God or blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. All other sins have forgiveness. If it is adultery, fornication, if it is an assault or a kidnapping, whatever it is, that has forgiveness from God when people repent, ask for forgiveness, and never do those things again. God, I'm sure, may give them trials and they suffer for having done those sins, but God forgives them. But the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not forgiven. This is why it says here. It says, there is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. Verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin. So all unrighteousness is sin. And there is sin not leading to death. We know that whoever is born of God, I would like... For all of you to read this verse so that we can remember this and keep it in our heart. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. So this verse, apparently it is difficult, but it is not. It is misinterpreted. It says, We know that men or women, whoever is born of God. Now, when one is born of God, God comes to dwell in the heart of this man or woman. In dwelling in that person's heart, there is no longer any room for sin. A person sees sin, they see it. They see that sin, but they do not keep it in their heart and put it to practice. For God is in their heart. So that sinful appetite goes away. It dies. That sinful appetite dies. It leaves. It's no longer there. So a person, they see someone who commits adultery, who steals, who curses, who who does this or that. They see them. And they guide and advise that person. They lay hands on this person. They tell them, don't do that. But in their heart, there is none of that to actually do these evil things. They can no longer do this in their heart for God is the one who dwells. There is no longer this appetite or desire to fall into that trap or sin. Now, those who feel those things, and this is speaking of people who have been in the church for quite some time, those who have spiritual gifts, those who have the baptism with the Holy Spirit and many spiritual gifts, who serve in the church, who have been in the church for years and have read the Bible thousands of times or more, we're speaking of them. If you still, if you feel in your heart, or if you've done this, you practice, or you fall into the trap of the devil in any sin, It is because God is not in your heart. God has still not entered to dwell in your heart. You're still missing something. So you need to fight for that. Fight for that. And it says here, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, of course, for there's no longer desire. So that person, that man or woman, that person who has been born of God... God, he himself keeps that person, protects them, does not allow the devil to place a sinful temptation in their heart. The devil is not going to come to me on any given day and say, Mary Louisa, why don't you go and commit a theft over here? Look at the opportunity that you have. No one is watching. You can steal that. I'm sure the devil could say that, but I won't do it. For I have no desire or appetite for that. I'm honest. And fearful of God. So although no one is watching, God is watching. So I need to then proceed according to what is in me. If God is with me, I won't do those things. And I would say to the devil, away from me, Satan. God rebuke you. That's it. For the devil lives setting traps for people, setting many things in their lives for people to fall, many temptations. All right, so this is why it says, and the wicked one does not touch him for God is protecting his children, those who have been born of God. Verse 19, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And how sad it is that it says the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we, the very few of God, but we here are aspiring for God to help us So that we may bring many souls to the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20. And we know that the son of God has come. And has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. Meaning the Lord came so that we may know God. We may be with him. And it says we are in him who is true. In his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Glory to our God. Praises be to the name of the Lord, and we thank our God for the opportunity he has given us all to you there of being before or being in the presence of the Lord, listening to his word, reflecting and reading his word, and let us honor our God. Let us praise God and let us glorify him. And all first-time guests and newcomers, I invite you to continue on in this path that is not difficult. You simply need to prepare your heart and love God. Love God. And you will see how God will come and dwell in your being. He will dwell with you and bless you. He will give you joy. He will give you peace. And one day, he will give you eternal life. For he, among many things, he is the fountain of water of eternal life. Let us pray to our God on this day and let us thank the Lord. And our petitions, the yearnings of our heart, let us present and also ask the Lord for any illnesses and for those who are disturbed by evil spirits due to witchcraft, sorcery, or curses. So, We will pray for all of this and all the brothers here with me as well will help me to pray and ask our God for all of these things. Holy Father, Heavenly Father, creator of the heavens and earth, our almighty God, our God, that we never get tired in saying that you walked with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob. You were with Moses. And we can't even list all of the people who enjoyed your presence, who enjoyed your company, who enjoyed your glorious, wonderful promises, who experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives and hearts. Lord, there is not enough time to mention them all. And today, Lord, after thousands of years have passed, today... You continue to manifest yourself to your people, to your creation. Your creation. We are a part of your creation. We are a part of your creation, Lord, and here we are before you. Listen to our prayer. Listen to our pleas. Our petitions. The desires and yearnings of our heart. And Lord, there are many people that are new who still have not had the experience of reading the Bible or knowing the doctrine, have not had experiences of feeling your Holy Spirit in their hearts, in their being. But I know that they desire and long to also live with you, to live those spiritual, wonderful experiences. And they too are waiting waiting for your mighty hand for you to work miracles and signs in their lives lord for you to stretch out your mighty hand healing hand upon all who are ill those of different ages of diverse diseases may you stretch out your hand and work miracles and signs heal each person my lord Each person is asking their petition of you, of their illness, their disease. Each one is sharing with you the disease they have in their body. May you have mercy, Lord. I also ask, Lord, that you rebuke the enemy, that you rebuke all unclean spirit, all evil spirit that has come to possess people that does not allow them to put their thoughts in order, that does not allow them to reason does not allow them to think or to speak. Lord, have mercy of these beings that are defenseless. Only you, Lord, with your mercy can deliver and remove witchcraft, sorcery, curses, so that all may have sanity and can call upon your name and praise you and glorify you, give you thanks, Lord. Father, In the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, we ask this, Lord, that you bless each person. Thank you, my Lord. All praises be to you. All honor is for you. The glory is for you now and evermore. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, my Lord. Let us sing to the Lord. Chorus number two, glorify,
1: magnify the Lord. Alabad, bendecida Jehovah. de Dios alabad bendecida Jehová vosotros los hijos de Dios alzad vuestras manos batidlas a él y decidle que solo él es fiel alzad vuestras manos batidlas Y decirle que sólo él es fiel Alabad, bendecida Jehová Vosotros los hijos de Dios Alabad, bendecida Jehová Vosotros los hijos de Dios manos batidlezas a él y decirle solo él fiel alza vuestras manos batidlezas a el, que solo él es fiel glory
0: to my lord thanks be to our god thank you very much dear brothers and sisters all those who were watching us today, a big hug to all of you and kisses for the children. God bless you. And the brothers and sisters here, thank you very much. God bless you. Until next time.